Looking to recharge your prayer life this year? Jesus Listens is a new 365-day prayer devotional from Sarah Young. Available now at JesusCalling.com slash Jesus Listens. Some of my most profound moments with God have been in national parks, and it's one of the few spaces left in society where we can truly disconnect, be surrounded by God's beauty, and just spend time with Him, learning and listening and discerning where He's calling us. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. As we celebrate the origins of America with 4th of July events, it's a great time to take a moment to reflect on the beauty of God's earth, the people He created, and the ways that we are gifted to serve and be served by others. Amy Kennedy and David Degler are part of a ministry called A Christian Ministry in the National Parks. Their ministry was formed to meet the faith needs of national park employees and has now grown into a mission to help everyone who visits a national park find the most beautiful manifestations of God's creation in the wilderness of the national parks. John Sowers is an author and a father who developed a love for writing that he carried into adulthood through the letters his family loved to write, which started when his grandmother wrote him weekly letters while he was away at college. He carried that legacy forward by writing special letters to his daughters, which he shares in his latest book entitled, Say All the Unspoken Things. First up, we'll hear from Amy Kennedy and David Degler. Hi, my name is Amy Kennedy, and I am one of the co-executive directors of A Christian Ministry in the National Parks. I've been around the organization since 2006 in every capacity from ministry team member to the co-executive director. My name's Dave Degler. I've been with A Christian Ministry in the National Parks for 10 years now. It's been a lot of fun, but also very impactful, I think, in helping young folks, but also people of my demographic experience the parks and experience ministry and to uh, explore their talents, skills, and gifts that God's given them. I have always enjoyed the outdoors. I grew up in a family where my dad was a very avid outdoorsman. We would go on kind of special dates with our mom and dad growing up, and my dad would always want to go camping or hiking or something outdoorsy. And so when I was a freshman in college, there was a recruiter on campus for this very organization, and they asked if I wanted to go spend a summer in a national park. At first, I thought, who gets to do that? <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I said yes, and I went to Olympic National Park, which I had never been to. And I got there and thought, oh my gosh, I'm about to spend a summer living and working in a national park rainforest. Um, but it was an absolutely life-changing experience for me. That summer, I learned so much about who I was, what God was calling me to, how to love people, and just really opened my mind for a bigger world. And so I got to spend that summer just really kind of turning a corner into who I feel like I have been growing into today. People go there to be rejuvenated, to be alone, to be with people. And I think the beginning of an appreciation for the national parks started when I was eight or 10. My love for the national parks started outside of the parks probably and living and growing up in Michigan on a lake and enjoying the boating and the hiking and exploring. But w once I landed this great job at uh, ACMNP, which is the acronym that we always use for the ministry, uh, I go back and remember my very first visit to a national park, which was the Smoky Mountains National Park over 50 years ago. 
And a lot has changed outside of the park, but the park has remained the same as I go there now, and I was just there a couple of months ago. It has remained the same. It's been protected. It's been enjoyed by millions and millions of people, but it still seems pristine and beautiful and lush and accessible. So ACMNP has been around since 1951. We're leaning towards our 75th anniversary and looking forward to some opportunities to expand and enhance the ways that we serve in the national park communities. But to go back in time a little, there was a man named Warren Ost who spent his summer in Yellowstone National Park. And through his time, he was a Princeton seminarian and he was, you know, living and working in the park and saw this great need. He saw that those that were living and working in that community were oftentimes isolated. There wasn't necessarily a you know church right there in the national park. And so those that wanted the opportunity to worship God really had to go outside the park to do that or find their own opportunities through you know prayer and devotion and their own spiritual acts. But he decided that the community there really needed an opportunity to worship. So he started initially a Bible study in the bar of Old Faithful and just started inviting his coworkers to join him. And through that, he ended up going back to Princeton, talking with his school, ended up even looping in Yellowstone National Park to make this really special partnership that began what is today a Christian ministry in the national parks. Now it's changed over time and it's grown into more national parks, but really the heartbeat of it is that we would provide a space for people to use the national parks landscape and the beauty that's there that reflects the love of this great creator by joining together from all denominations across the Christian faith to unify and express our love towards God. These beautiful places are accessible to everyone and there are a wide variety of ways to use them, including worship and quiet times in Bible study or praying and and events that are focused around that. Every year, there's some kind of really difficult thing that happens in a national park, whether it be tragedy or um, we've seen everything from a fire to employees who have passed away to even guests in the park having an encounter with an animal or you name it, it's probably happened in a national park. And when that happens, when tragedy strikes, our team members are the ones that are there because Everyone there looks for the Christians. They look for those that might be the pastors of the national park. And here you have an 18 to 22 year old sitting there in the midst of this awful tragedy, trying to figure out how to show up and show Christ's love. And so they call us. There was one summer in particular where we had a team member named Nelson who was in Glacier National Park. And within a week, two employees were killed for different reasons. And he was right there in the midst of that, and he was able to help that community struggle through that, grieve through that, and heal from it, and really ultimately point everybody back to a a much bigger thing, and that was God. I believe it was that experience that led him to go into vocational ministry. Now, Amy and I and the rest of our staff teach hard that everyone is in ministry, whether you're in vocational, long-term, professional, so to speak, ministry or not. There's only five or six of us in the national office. There's sometimes nearly 300 team members, uh, generally, you know, two to 300 team members in 50 different parks. And we show them what to do. We try to inspire them, instruct them, and God sends them. And then they get to explore their leadership capacities and skills as God has gifted them, called them, challenged them, and sent them to, uh, to these wonderful places. And so our team members are intentionally working on their own 
leadership development while trying to be a great example of Christ in the place that they live, work, and serve, and then also showing love to their coworkers and to the community by offering places to worship and to engage with creation and God. Our worship services are so often in very remote locations. And so coworkers will sometimes show up to the worship services. And so there is that, that very practical ministry that's offered to, to people where there's a, an opportunity to worship in, in beautiful places while people are testing their worship leading skills and developing in those areas. But one of, I think the, one of the more powerful ways that our teams support the community is just being there, is showing up, as Amy alluded to earlier, to expressing their faith in winsome, wonderful, natural ways that some of the most powerful ministry doesn't happen in our organized events or the events that they plan, like Bible studies. And very often we will say that this will be the hardest summer of your life, but the best summer of your life. And so through a really tough day, uh, demonstrating that they still trust God and they still go to God for help and support and wisdom, it really can be impactful. That's why we encourage folks to, to press into these impactful interactions that very often start superficially, but over time, through their relationships, become deeper and more intense and more available, really, for people to ask the things that they've always wondered about, but didn't know anybody face-to-face that they could actually ask a question. And here this person is. So I, I think that's probably one of the most powerful things. We also encourage our team members to embrace stewardship of the parks. Most Christians think of creation care. So we've adopted that and we invite people to create projects and to join the National Park Service and local support groups for the park to help clean trails or to pick up trash or to um, mark trees that need to be removed, to work with the Park Service and volunteer. We had a group in Zion National Park just last week that were pulling out weeds, invasive plant species for the National Park Service under their direction. And that's an important service, we think, to the parks and to God's creation. I had mentioned that I had spent a summer in Olympic National Park. And really, if I'm honest, I spent that summer there trying to escape some difficult things that were going on back home. So while I wanted to live in a national park and you know knew it would be beautiful, knew it would be an adventure, I also was secretly just trying to find a space to heal from some difficult things that had happened. It rained every day for the first month I was there. And there was, you know, everybody that was there was really different than I was. I didn't have the people that looked and thought like me, like the community I grew up in. I was all of a sudden surrounded by people who made life choices that were different than me or people who were going through difficult things on their own. And in, instead of looking to God or faith, they were looking towards things like drugs or alcohol or just really sad cycles of decisions. And so I had this kind of moment in the National Park where I was sitting on a bridge just looking out at God's creation. It was lightly drizzling. And as I looked out, I was kind of crying to God about some of the things I was going through and just realizing just how sad I was. And so while I sat there crying out to God, I had this epiphany that everyone that was around me 
while they were really different than I was, was also hurting and was also seeking something. And that's why they were there. There was this community of people that were trying to escape equally difficult things. And they didn't know God the way I knew God. And I had a God to cry to, and they didn't. And so it changed the course of my summer. It changed how I showed up in the ministry. Um, all of a sudden, after that epiphany, the sun really did come out. The summer got incredible. It was beautiful every single day. I was hiking with people that were completely different than me. I was, I became best friends and family with this community of people that were stuck at the end of this dirt road in Olympic National Park. And it, it changed the way that I then showed up in the world. Um, I left that summer and I realized what ministry should be. It's not um, sitting behind a pulpit and speaking to people that you never interact with. It's being a part of a community, showing up daily, interacting with them, getting to know them, and figuring out how to share Christ's love through your actions on the smallest level. And so I think through that experience, that's really helped me want to stick around this ministry for as long as I have to inspire others to have similar experiences. Some of my most profound moments with God have been in national parks, and it's one of the few spaces left in society where we can truly disconnect, be surrounded by God's beauty, and just spend time with Him, learning and listening and discerning where He's calling us. And so bring a journal, spend time with God. The national parks are going to be one of the most beautiful places for that that you've ever been. These days are chaotic. And it's hard to focus. And we have busy minds that are easily distracted. At least that's my personal experience. And especially over these last three or four years and all of the things that really have assaulted our country, our world, our culture, our churches, that we can be unfocused, unruly, and undisciplined. And devotional guides can help us in those areas where it focuses on a thought that is good and pure and scriptural and is motivated by uh, God's word. And it can direct our thoughts when so often, when left unattended, our thoughts can ramble and be busy and caught up in all the distractions that surround us. And perhaps now more than ever, we need tools like that and opportunities to get away to focus on what's really important. Because so many times we're focused on things that are absolutely not important. And we get drawn into those things. It's so easy to get crushed by that and rushed down the stream of these, these negative thoughts and ideas. And it's just so powerful to have a clear, thoughtful moment, an idea that is can be generated by devotional guides like Jesus Calling. I've taken it with me to the national parks before as kind of a guide. I feel like in life, it's really hard to quiet our minds enough to hear the voice of God. He is always talking to us. He is shouting out to us through the beauty of His creation, through the people that reflect Him. And I feel strongly that we put a lot of barriers in the way of hearing God, whether that be technology or thoughts or feelings or just this need to be busy all the time. And so it's a gift to be able to go to a place like a national park where that expectation is gone. You don't have to sit there checking off a list of all the things you need to do. You can simply just be. You can go sit by the water with a devotion, with your Bible, with silence, which is a very rare gift these days, and sit in that silence and let your mind focus on the things of God. I think devotions are 
incredibly helpful because we're not used to being quiet. And oftentimes, if you're sitting just in complete silence, if you're anything like me, your mind starts still going to the things you're supposed to do when you get back home or to the checklist that you didn't finish. And so finding a Bible or a journal or a devotion guide to bring with you is a really good tool to help keep your mind focused on that silence, focused on listening to the Word of God, figuring out how Jesus is calling to you. You can get lost in yourself a little bit and in your interaction with the Creator and with God to have a pretty powerful experience. And I think you'll be blessed. To learn more about how you can get involved with a Christian ministry in the national parks, please visit acmnp.com. Stay tuned to John Sauer's story after a brief message. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. Our next guest is John Sowers, an author whose family has a history of writing letters that has recently taken on a new meaning in his role as a father when he himself composed letters to his daughters as a touchstone of communication from him that they could carry into their lives as adults. I was born in Arkansas and I grew up uh, hunting and fishing and I had an older brother and played a lot of sports. I think I wanted to be a professional baseball player like so many boys want to be a professional athlete. And so in college, I played through college and it kind of dawned on me that this was about the end of my ability and my opportunities. So it's just interesting how I kind of came into ministry and writing. I always loved books and I always read books and wrote and I wrote through college. I wrote in high school. Writing to me has just been a real, a real blessing and a real uh, fulfilling thing that I feel like that's why I was put on the earth. It's almost like the chariots of fire scene where he says he can feel the glory of God when he runs, you know, like he's designed to run. And so I, I hope that for everybody listening can kind of find in time uh, that thing. And sometimes it's multiple things, but for me, it's, it's been writing and it's been a thing that's been deeply confirming and affirming to get to do. I've been real blessed to come from like a family of letter writers. 
my grandmother raised me. And when I moved away to college, she wrote me a letter once a week. And she had these little Monet prints, like the artist Monet, like water lilies and all of the different prints by Monet. And she would write a long, a long letter in each one. Like, I don't know how many words, but she would fill the whole thing. And she would talk about how she's praying for me and she's proud of me and she loves me. And so my grandmother found a way to show up in my life through letters. And every Tuesday I would like rush to the P.O. box in college, that letter would literally be the highlight of my week. And it would be like a touch from home, the saying like, we're thinking about you, love you, praying for you. And it, 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 was, it was transformative in my life. So my great grandfather wrote all these letters to his wife. And this is, they, these date back in the 1800s. I still have these letters from my great grandfather to my great grandmother. And, and he was like wooing her. And so I have a whole stack of these beautifully cursive written letters from my great grandfather to my great grandmother. And so it's, it's been real neat to kind of be from like a family of, of letter writers and then get to carry on that tradition to write these letters to my daughters. It was born out of my mom passing, you know, their grandmother passing, as well as this COVID experience. I sat down to write it in January of 2020 and two months later, COVID kind of shut down the world. So as I begin to think about, you know, if I had 40 letters to write to my daughters, what would I say? And then that was it. Like if I had 40 gifts to give them and then my life was gone, what would I say? And what would any of us say? And when we have that urgency of death in the back of our mind kind of looming over us, what would we say to people who love us, to people we love? I don't really know how to say it other than just like my heart bursting as I'm reaching as deep into myself as I can to say things to my daughters that hopefully they'll read after I'm gone and my grandchildren and my great grandchildren whom I may never know. What would I want to say to my daughters who I love so dearly? And what would any of us say? There's a sense that death has like an urgency to it. And it, death is something that's kind of knocked on all of our doors in the last few years. We've had to lock ourselves in, in rooms. We've had to wear masks. We've, we've heard, and, and some of us unfortunately have lost loved ones. Most of us probably have known someone that we've lost. And so there's an urgency that comes to that. Like we, we begin to consider it changes our lives. Like, wow, my mom is gone. My grandmother's gone. I just had a friend die or whatever. And when those things happen, I think there's a real opportunity to create this good sense of urgency of, wow, have I shared, do my friends know how much I love them? Have I forgiven people or am I holding on to grudges? Have I expressed my full heart to my children or to my spouse or parents or whoever they may be? You know, have I said all the unspoken things to them? You know, I think when we lose someone close to us, especially someone as kind of seismic and almost like a pillar, you know, like for me, like my mom and my grandmother, I mean, they basically held up the sky for me. So I, I knew like if they were gone, I, I would be in trouble. As a kid, I grew up feeling that way. I felt like they were like a bomb shelter, you know, they like had their hands over my head, like, and they were like keeping the world from crushing me. And so when they left, it was a very real sense of just being gone. When you go through these losses, and and I wouldn't say necessarily that I, I turned to God in the best way. I, I had a friend that helped me, and he said, uh, 
just remember the love that your mom gave you and let that strengthen you and let that help shape you and who the man you want to be. And so that really, really helped because part of me, I think I probably skidded off into some despair and some loneliness and probably not drawing close to God in the ways that he desired. And I know I didn't. And so I had some really great friends who showed up for me, who helped point me to God and in some ways helped be the hands and feet of God to me. I want to read a prayer. This is Jesus Listens and it's from December 14th. It says, Your amazing love is sacrificial, unfailing, priceless and boundless, reaching to the heavens. It shines so brightly that it can carry me through all my days, even the darkest ones. When I get to the end of each day, it's time to declare your faithfulness that reaches to the skies. As I look back over the day, I can see how skillfully you guided me and opened up the way before me. The more difficulties I encountered, the more you enabled, empowered, and equipped me to overcome the obstacles. It's that daily connection. C.S. Lewis talks about it happens uh, the first thing when we wake up, that all of our hopes for the day rush at us like wild animals. And our first job is to push back those wild animals and to let that other voice come in, that other stronger, silent, you know, more peaceful voice come in and then so on all day. I think it's a real temptation for us and for me to wake up, open Facebook, wake up, open Instagram, start scrolling and to miss that connection, to miss that that magical moment in the morning when we can wake up and we can connect. And so I'm so thankful for Jesus calling that it encourages that rhythm that's so important in any kind of relationship, especially in our relationship with God. And it's a rhythm that I've kept at times and I've seen God really work through and bless. To learn more about John Sowers' social justice efforts, as well as his most recent book, Say All the Unspoken Things, go to johnsowers.com. If you'd like to hear more stories about finding beauty in God's creation and through His people, check out our interview with Rick Steves. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we'll hear from Sarah Gruber, a woman who battled chronic illness and through it found the unexpected gift of a closer relationship with God. Nobody understands what it's like to live inside my body except God and I, and it led me to this complete dependence on God. I could explain all of my symptoms. I could explain what I felt and what I was going through, but I felt like God was the one I was living it with. And so there was this increased dependence on Him. It was, it was an unexpected gift. And I, I'd prefer not to be sick, but if all of this is to bring me closer to God, then I'm all in. Want to hear more inspirational stories of people who have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then subscribe today to the Jesus Calling Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please be sure to leave a review, which helps us reach and inspire others with these stories. Plus, if you like seeing our guests as well as hearing them, you can find video interviews available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com Jesus Calling Book.
on Facebook and on the Jesus Calling Instagram page.